Just say you've got a problem with your body or your brain and you decide to take yourself off to see someone about it. How much do you want that someone else to just fix it for you? There are a lot of times that there is no magic cure and it's during these times in particular that someone like Michelle could come in handy. So what does she do? So it's a little bit like... You know, I'm sitting here and I'll open a window for you and you can reach in and take your life back. You can reach in and take your control back. We work with the whole person in environment. So we're not, you might have a wound and come to see us, but we're not just going to be working with um, the wound. You're more than the wound. You're more than your, um, your chronic condition. But have you lost sight of that? You know, who, who are you? Who do you want to be? Come and see us because we want to open that window for you. Honestly, clinical social work's the best job in the world because we get to journey with people who are really serious about living up to their full potential, regardless of what the health issues are. Now, what are the chances that you might have explained the job of a clinical social worker a little differently? You're not the only one. Sometimes that's part of the the front half of the work with people, to explain to them that, actually, I'm not here to get you a cab charge voucher They often think that we're just about practical assistance, getting people to places, um, getting them transport, uh, making sure that there's food in the cupboard. That's probably more a welfare worker's job and and that's a really important role, but it's not uh, what we do. We're really more about um, getting you back to living the life that you want to live in a really healthy way. And for my own own part in that, my, my special special area of interest is working with pain and persistent pain and those people who have been living in pain for a really long time. Um, Watching them bloom, watching and and having the privilege of listening to those stories of how they've managed. I once had this um, uh, nurse ask me, how on earth do you do your job? Isn't it really depressing? And I have to say, no, it's actually one of the most uplifting jobs. And I've done a few. I mean, I've been a bricklayer and I've done a, you know quite a few things. Um, but this is the most uplifting and most privileged position to be in because you don't work with people's problems. You work with the solutions. You work with the strength. You work with these amazing human beings who've sometimes been through what would be classified like a war zone and yet they can still glow and they can still laugh Um, and imagine what that's like to be able to meet someone who's got all of that inside them and be the person to have the conversations to bring that back out again. When you put down the bricklayer's tool belt, what, what, what toolbox do you need to pick up as a clinical social worker yep. to work with people and to, to pull that good stuff out? You have to believe in people and believe in the, their power because how can they believe if you don't? So for me, that's the key tool. Um, the other tools are quite quite clinical tools as well. So we have ex- additional training in things like counselling, uh, counselling methods. Um, we also have training in um, pain science and rehabilitation, or those of us who specialise in this area too. Um, so there's a whole kit uh, of things. And also self-management techniques. So we live in a world that kind of encourages dependency, encourages this idea of, well, you know, who am I to be able to 
overcome this barrier or do this. There must be somebody with more skills who who can do this for me. And sort of, isn't there an operation or a pill for that? Exactly. Yeah, some sort of magic or or scientific thing that can happen. Um, and while that might be convenient, over time that de-skills people, so that every time something goes wrong, there's an expectation that something somewhere a pill or a person can can fix it for me that's just not the way it works with the pain stuff gosh that must be an interesting area to work in can you share with me an example of someone that you've worked with and where they started and where they are yeah yeah gosh so many stories because we've been doing the overcoming pain and living life program for such a long time now Um, but one that stands out in particular is a lady who was in her late 50s She'd had pain as a child, so she'd had rheumatoid arthritis as a child. She'd kind of managed that a little and she'd gone out to work and then she'd had to stop working when she was in her mid-30s. The way she described it was her whole life fell apart because not only did she have her rheumatoid arthritis, but she also developed something called fibromyalgia and she just couldn't function. She couldn't She couldn't work. So we saw her down the track, much down the track, when she had been on disability pension for quite a while um, and she had significant pain as well as significant depression and anxiety. So she came into the program um, and she also chose to do our OPAL program, which is the 10-week program, and she also came to do individual session work as well. Long story short... After some of the most amazing stories of strength and her really working on her issues, she's now back at work. She's actually been back and retrained, so she's doing um, a different kind of a job and she has a relationship. Um, That one kind of stands out to me more than any. And the reason it stands out is because I saw her two years after she'd gone through the program and I'd said goodbye. And we were I was at the LGH visiting my mum, actually, and I heard this voice say, Michelle, Michelle. And I looked around and there she was. And I said, oh, hi, you do- how, how are you doing? And she said she was fine. And I said, how's your pain? Expecting her to say and hoping that she would say really well managed. And what she said to me blew me away because she said, what pain? And I was stunned because we do have an expectation that there will be a lowering of pain. But we knew this lady had rheumatoid arthritis as well, so I had an expectation that she would you know, still be managing well. And she said that she was managing so well that she'd gone on to do other things with counsel and with you know, other places, that she had no pain. We're not going to go into a full science lesson here, but how, how, how do you give people the tools to be able to do that themselves? How do you, how, how do you turn off the pain? Yeah. Well, you don't turn off the pain, you turn on the lights in the brain. So everything is connected to your brain. Um, if I were to, you know, hit your knee with, you know, my hand at the moment, in a, in a split second outside of your awareness, signals would go up into your spine, into your brain, and the brain would have a look at that signal and say, what are we going to do with this? Is this dangerous? And then the brain will kind of download into your body a response, and that response is often pain. And pain is supposed to be protective because it gets you to, you know, move away from the hand that's, you know, slapping your knee or, you know, take that nail out of your foot. It's well designed. It's there for a reason. Absolutely. Persistent pain is different though. Persistent pain is where the brain is saying that you need to have this pain um, when often you don't need it anymore. 
part of what we do is we give different um, strategies for people, different tools across five domains. One of them is physical, so clearly the things around movement, but it's a specific sort of movement. Another one is um, social, but again, it's about doing the sorts of social things that activate a particular nerve in the body called the vagus nerve which we, you know I won't go into but this sounds like a fun place yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we also have emotional and psychological uh, strategies and spiritual strategies and when we say spiritual we don't mean you know religion although it can mean that it's about anything that you do that gives your life meaning now you imagine you've been in pain for 20 years often the things that get missed are things like pleasure and all of the things that you used to do that gave your life meaning we work with people to pace themselves back up, to strengthen their body and their mind so that they can bring meaning back into their lives across those five domains. But it's all about getting the brain healthy so that the body um, becomes healthy. How often do people walk in the door to see you and go, oh, I've got to do this because my doctor said I need to come along, but it's probably not going to work? <laughs> um, more often than um, you, you you might imagine. Um, and, you know, that's okay. Um, we actually say to people, hang on to your scepticism, um, but we would never see somebody who didn't want to be seen. So there's a whole assessment process and a person has to be ready and it's okay if you're not because it's hard work. Self-management is really hard work. Um, the, the, other, the other story that comes to mind is um, a story uh, about a gentleman who came to us. He was, he was um, suicidal because his pain was you know, off the charts and he'd had it for years. Um, and his response to us at the end was, I didn't believe for a moment that this would work and you've saved, you know, you've saved my life. And our response to him was, no, you saved your own life because you engaged in the work. You, you did the self-management work and, and you listened. But, yeah, there's a lot of scepticism often in the beginning and that's all right. That's healthy, actually. Um, what we say is let us prove it to you. Yeah. <laughs> when I do come and see you, what happens? Do we sit down? How does it work? Yeah. Well, if you come and see me, um, I've got a lovely uh, a lovely room set up a little bit like this, so it's a bit of a lounge room kind of a feel. Um, and what I do first is talk to you about who I am and what I do, um, because every social worker is slightly different, mm -hmm. even clinical social workers between us, we're, we're slightly different. So I'll explain to you uh, who I am, what my history is. And you know what? You should expect that your social worker will be able to explain to you what they've done in the past, what kind of work that they can do, because we're providing you with a service. So, you know, you need to know that we're right for you. Then we'll do some assessments about uh, your big picture, like a biopsychosocial. We don't just work with psychology or emotion or even social. Clinical social workers work with biology, um, sociology, as well as psychology, and we blend those three things together. So your body makeup, your brain makeup, and your environment that you're living in makeup. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Because they're all one and the same. Everything is interconnected. So you know, if you know, we talk about pain, for example, you have no pain at all unless your brain tells you that you have pain, whether you're talking physical or emotional. So if your brain is in a really healthy state, you're going to have a better chance at healing, both emotional and and and. Um, psychologically and, and emotionally um, and people often don't see that they, they, they see themselves in boxes but in actual fact you are one huge beautiful garden <laughs> oh I like that <laughs> and we come to you to be watered maybe I don't know this sound weird yeah <laughs> watered intended perhaps yeah, yeah. Okay. Teach, teach you how to prune your own roses <laughs> 
Is your garden in need of some pruning? You can find clinical social workers like Michelle all around the country. Michelle works in the public system, but you'll find private options as well. There are all sorts of different people out working in our community to help you better look after yourself and stay well and out of hospital. If you haven't already, flick back through our podcast feed, which you'll find online, and check out some of the other brilliant health people that you might just need in your life. This project was funded by the Healthy Tasmania Community Innovation Grants through the Tasmanian Government.